0: Hello, welcome back to the Untitled SEO Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Laws, and this is not quite like other SEO podcasts. In this season, which is season two of the podcast, we're doing LAN, and that stands for Live Action Networking. I know it also stands for other things, but I'm going to just keep that, keep that to myself, although I have now told you. Anyway, this has gone rambling off nice and early. So what is live action networking? Well, I know a lot of people who work in SEO. I know a lot of people in the creative industries, and I've worked with a lot of people in the creative industries and in SEO and digital marketing and various other things. And we all get along super well. But I'm very aware that from the public perception of SEO is sometimes still that we're either massive agencies who are charging tens of thousand pounds a month, or we're little individuals i'm I'm certainly not little if you ever met me in person (laughs) little individuals kind of just hiding away doing our own thing but the truth is the really good good things happen with seo when people in seo talk to each other and a big part of that is networking now i have the privilege to know several other people in seo here in ipswich but i've been branching out and i want to meet more people in seo so we're doing this season as as i say live action networking so i'm inviting some people i don't know massively well I'm going to use the medium of the podcast to find out a little bit more. So to that end, I am honored to have Jan Barley with me today. Would you like to say hello, Jan?
1: Hello. Hello to you and hello to everyone listening to the podcast.
0: I've got to compliment Jan on something before we even kind of (laughs) kick off on this, because this is probably going to be audio only of this podcast. But Jan, your headphones are perfectly color matched to your top.
1: It was all perfectly planned. I mean, like,
0: <laughs> look, it really, really nicely matched. <laughs> right. So something I'm always fascinated to know um, is whether people I'm speaking to and getting to know chose SEO or whether they fell into SEO. Now, just just to put you at ease, I'm yet to find anyone anywhere, even outside of the context of this podcast, who aimed at SEO and found themselves there. So what's your your brief what's your hero story your oh, origin my story My
1: no i definitely didn't choose it that's for sure um i'll try and keep it as brief as i can but in may 2020 i suddenly found myself very unexpectedly widowed uh it was a, an accident it was very sudden at the time we were in the middle of lockdown um i didn't have any work i didn't have any income um, I couldn't afford to stay where I was living without my partner. And I'm like, what on earth am I going to do? How am I going to survive financially? So, anyway, long story short, I decided that writing was the way to go. So, I started looking for writing jobs and landed a gig with um, a trading company. I'd been uh, training in Forex for about three years. So, I had extensive knowledge of the subject. And this company wanted a 4X writer, so it was perfectly matched. Um, So I started writing, and the guy who was um, sort of working with me started to teach me about SEO. Um, I did kind of know roughly what it was, but I hadn't really done any SEO writing or anything like that. So he started to give me some guidance, and I picked it up so quickly and within literally a matter of weeks, my content started ranking on page one wow. of Google. So I found that super exciting. Um, <laughs> it's it's still it's still
0: what yeah. it is, it's still still what motivates so many of us in SEO Yeah, the, it, it just was, the buzz of that. It was
1: crazy. I mean, the, the company had a fairly good domain authority. I think they were about 38 mm. and they had a lot of writers, they had a lot of content. I think they're about a five year old company. But to get my content ranked on Google was amazing. I was unpublished at that point, so I was ghostwriting for the company. But I'm happy to say, three over three years later, my content is still ranking on number page one for that company. Wow. So anyway, um, I've been working for them for about four months and doing really well. And then one day, he asked me to write an article about Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was- this is this is one of the biggest <laughs> challenges of, of not just SEO but writing in, yeah. in the context of SEO is being given subjects that we know nothing about.
1: Exactly.
0: How, how do you feel about that? Do you like that? Um, you, it, I can see how it, I find it daunting sometimes. If I find myself having to <laughs> write about, I had to write about yacht chartering once. Now, this, this is not something I have any experience of. <laughs> I've never chartered a yacht. Jan, I mean, I don't, want, really? I don't want to kind of shock you. And, and I've, I've never driven a Bentley either. You know, there's, there's several things I don't know much about. So did, did you have experience of Bitcoin at this point? Um,
1: I mean, I, I, I bought a few um, cryptocurrencies in 2016. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. So I was kind of vaguely interested in cryptocurrencies, but mostly to try and make me a millionaire, I think my portfolio is worth about three hundred dollars at the moment, so it's not likely to happen.
0: It's better going than a lot of people who yeah, bought into crypto. But, um,
1: yeah, I mean, Bitcoin was reasonably easy to research because the uh, the kind of Bitcoin ethos is fairly transparent. Mm. Anyway, I wrote this article. Um, the research was fairly overwhelming because it was a you know completely new subject which I knew nothing about, and obviously with articles you need to have accuracy. So I produced the article and the editor was overwhelmed. He said it was a really strong article, fantastic, well done. And um, subsequently, I started being given more um, crypto related content. Um, And I've been doing that for two years. And I really, really love writing SEO content. To me, it's kind of like, the sort of pleasure that someone would get who loves Sudoku. Is it Sudoku?
0: Sudu- <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, or I, mean some, I mean, I'm rubbish somebody, with
1: maths. Somebody get, so. gets yeah.
0: given a 50,000-piece yeah. puzzle at Christmas and he's actually pleased.
1: Exactly. I mean, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a massive problem solver and I love solving problems. So for me, SEO was kind of like solving a problem. Um, the problem I had was the crypto industry's There's a certain lack of transparency. So when I was researching particular projects, trying to find accurate information that I could write factual SEO content on was really challenging and remained challenging for the period that I worked in the crypto industry. But, yeah, I mean, I I fell into it, um, became a natural at it. And I kind of just seem to have the knack for it. Like, for instance, the last company I was working for, I used Surfer SEO, Uh which is software that um, you put articles in and it it throws up a lot of keywords and semantics, something like 60 or 80 keywords that you can filter into your article, and it gives you a score. Um, And you're aiming for an average of about a 75-plus score. And I would write my content outside of Surfer, then import it, and then fine-tune it. Um, and what, what, what my editor was surprised about was that when I imported it, my score was usually in the kind of high 60s before I even started using surf SEO. See, uh,
0: I've, it's not a theory of mine. It's, it's a belief based on fact that if somebody's a good writer They will naturally align well to any tools like like Surfer or um, we well we use Semrush because we love Semrush. Because if you are a good writer, you naturally know to research and cover all the angles of a project.
1: Exactly. And
0: the first one of the first and best writers, one of the freelancers I started working with many years ago, who still works for me now, she actually still is contracted two days a week, and she's a leading expert in hair care. Wow. So she she writes she writes for some magazines and so she's kind of a journalist first SEO second in in order of how she learned but uh-huh. that's that's such a brilliant way round i think some some people are in danger of using tools like like surfer or or semrush to to write and write in the software with the aim of writing mm. the perfect article mm. which you can do and it won't be human first but if you I can agree. write and you enjoy the research I mean what's what I keep each time you mention talking about crypto what really what keeps going around in my mind is at the time you were writing about crypto it was phenomenally competitive mm. but in an industry that was not cooperative you know between between sellers or between whoever had a stake in crypto in the success of Bitcoin, they didn't speak to each other. So it must've been almost impossible to build authority by building relationships. So your only option really must've been, and correct me if I'm wrong, to write very long articles. Would that be fair? Yeah,
1: that, that is very true. I mean, I, I would probably research probably six, seven, eight or more different articles online I'd go through their company's white paper, I just any oh, piece of information which tough it, was, going, it, with it Bitcoin. was it was it blew my brains ever sometimes I'd stare at the screen and think how how am I going to do this because it just seemed an impossible task. Um, but yeah, it was challenging and and the last company I worked for uh, an average article was about 4000 words. Wow. And I wrote one particular article, which was kind of a guide, really, it should have been an ebook, which was almost 8000 words on trading psychology. And I'm happy to say that is on number one, page Google, uh, page one. Right. So. Th-
0: this is this is a real sorting out the wheat from the chaff type thing. When you, yeah. when you have to write an article like that, especially for writers, some writers will just blanch that just say, I'm, I'm just not going to take that on. But my experience if you can find writers who enjoy the research phase, and i think seo agencies with their internal writers and with freelancers you you should give your writers that opportunity um you shouldn't give tight deadlines on good articles it's it's the time equivalent of pay peanuts get monkeys you know give Mm -hmm. give no time or well, junk in, junk out is, uh, is one of the phrases that we use.
1: I agree. But- I mean, I've, 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 I mean I've, I've been a writer since I was a child. Um, my headmistress used to make me read my essays in front of school assembly, and I was like wow. cripplingly shy. <laughs> so it was really challenging. But I never believed I could make a living as a writer, so I kind of fell into the whole thing, really. But I see writing as an art. I don't see it as just stringing words together. For me, it's like yeah. a sculpture. You, you take something that is very raw and you shape it and form it. And I have a really stringent process for everything that I do, right from the research down to my editing process. Um, it's really stringent. And that creates an article that has really good flow. Um, and if you don't have flow, nobody wants to read it. So everybody Absolutely. who thinks you can create AI articles and just bang it up onto your website, yeah, you might be able to do that. And you might get ranked, but that doesn't mean people are going to read it. And eventually, if people aren't reading it, you'll lose your ranking, especially the way Google is starting to evolve now.
0: Absolutely. And if, if an article isn't human first... Mm doesn't matter if it does rank immediately it's not going to rank long term because no, exactly. it was difficult to read google yeah. google because they've got well now ga4 on everybody's website yeah then they know if people are the people that they're delivering from search results to your website aren't sticking around to read it especially if it's a four thousand word article and the average time on sites like 20 seconds google's yeah. you know it's, it's it seems really obvious to me that google's going to look at that and go well we ranked it high but people aren't sticking around long enough so we clearly made a mistake and that's when you start to see it yeah. articles nosedive
1: google is value first isn't
0: it yeah absolutely it's i was having a conversation with someone uh, just before we started recording and we were talking about i used to joke when i did public speaking to, to introduce people to the concept of seo i used to joke that you know all google really wants is for you to make the web a better place but it's become less of a joke the more times i say it because <laughs> it, it's kind of true and not in a big brother type way, but good practice online reflects good practice offline. Do we even talk about offline and online anymore? It's just the world,
1: isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. And I think you know the the helpful content update that they rolled out on the fourteenth of September that really caught a lot of people out. Mm. I follow several kind of um, leaders in SEO. Um, is it Charles? Charles Float? Is it? I've gotten his name. My brain's gone.
0: I, I know who you mean. Doctor
1: Marie. Oh God, brain, brain's gone completely dead. I can't remember her name. I've got it. I'm just down. looking up
0: Charles Float because he's. It's not. I'm not sure if it's the person who I'm thinking of, but okay. there, there is somebody with a similar name who, who isn't one of. Yeah, Charles <laughs> Float
1: and Doctor Marie Haynes. They're really good at keeping up to date, and it's really good to follow those.
0: Things. I haven't heard of Dr. Marie Haynes. See, this is why networking is really important. Yeah, Dr. she's great. Marie. She's got a
1: YouTube channel and um, Twitter account. She's got a lot of followers.
0: Yeah, not heard of her. This is see value in SEO pros talking to each
1: other exactly. <laughs> and and your... the thing is, if if you know, I mean, I've got um, I've got an affiliate site that I'm building of my own. And it's very embryonic. I started it two years ago, and literally last year I didn't do a single thing on it. So obviously it had, you know, declined. But I picked it back up again late July, and it was starting. To, traffic was starting to build up. Then the helpful content was like a vertical wall. Oh <laughs> it wow! Just really crashed literally the day of the helpful content. It just crashed. I got forty-seven articles at the time, so I digested everything in the helpful content and then went through all 47 articles and basically adjusted and upgraded and just took out stuff that wasn't relevant anymore i also had um a plugin that gave you the um a publishing date so that if you wrote an article two years ago and you updated it today it would show today's date and one of the, in the helpful content that was one of the things that google was penalizing. So I immediately removed that.
0: We, we've we taken a, a, a different approach on that. found a, an article, not an article, a plug-in called WP Last Updated, I think it is. And it doesn't change the published date because I think for transparency, having you know, showing that you, you wrote an article four years ago is, is good. But what this WP Last Updated, I think that's what it's called, does is it puts – Another little line underneath the published date saying last updated. So you can have an article because I think this is a real human first thing. You can have an article that when someone lands on it and go, okay, that was written four years ago, but they could then look and go, well, it was updated five months ago. Yeah. So it becomes a human first, very positive signal. But what this plugin also does, and I'm, I'm yet to know how useful this is, is it also includes that as a rich snippet or in schema code. So yeah. that Google theoretically can see that the article might be years old. Yeah. But it is updated. And I'll
1: have we've to got to check
0: that out. I, it's one of those it's one of those low risk, low effort SEO things. And mm. I I'm slightly wary of low effort SEO things because <laughs> it, it harks back to a time where everyone thought SEO was about these tips and tricks and hacks, which it, it never has been. But that sort of it fits in with the way I see the world of SEO, that Google just wants to know that things are kept up to date. We we did got a case study on the SEO website where a client who we started working with had 400 plus articles on the site and they're all written by consultants. Um, I can say who it is because it's, it's a public case study. It's a HR consultancy called Matt HR. Okay. And all the articles are <laughs> written by consultants. They really know what they're talking about. They really do. They're brilliant. But we could spot, quite a lot of holes going through content analysis and we've, we've built sort of a, a workflow for this now. So over a long period, we updated five, maybe six articles or gave recommendations to them to update five or six articles a month for, God, we must have done it for 18 months. Their traffic went nuts. Wow. Some of these articles are ancient. If we found ones that were like Here's the update for the budget in 2017. we probably not bother with that. Yeah. But anything that was evergreen, we just sort of did an assessment of it and looked at it and went, right, is this still right? Is this still correct? Because ultimately, that's all Google wants.
1: Yeah.
0: They, they want to ref- – when people click the links in Google search results, they want the person to go, hey, Google did a good thing because I like this article I'm now reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's – I oh, got all a bit excited there about schema code and rich snippets.
1: But... <laughs> well, I, I follow Neil Patel, and he he says that updating aged content is as powerful, if not more powerful, than creating new content.
0: He, he has a, an entire department in his company that only updates content. Wow. That's all they do. It, yeah, no, it, it makes total sense. It's like Wikipedia. Wikipedia, <laughs> you wouldn't write a page on Wikipedia and then just let it rot. You know, I'm sure there's someone who must go through adding the dates of death for people and stuff like that because it, it's always it's like really up to date. But we know how much Google loves Wikipedia. Wikipedia's always at the top. Yeah, for everything, everything forever. So, you know, look at what, what Wikipedia are doing.
1: Actually, probably don't oh, want to say copy that. Of articles.
0: Have you tried write, If you tried editing articles or, or adding to articles in Wikipedia? No. <laughs> very, very tough going. I think that I, would I've, be
1: really hard. I I love editing articles. I did a fair amount of that for um a last company I worked with. And oh God, I mean some of the articles were so badly written. You think, well, why would anybody want to read this? One, it's inaccurate. Two, the grammar and the punctuation is appalling. I know Google isn't, man- you know, assessing whether you're a, a fantastic writer, but if it's poorly written, it's not going to get read. They kind of
0: are, though, N- not in a way that you know the Yoast, the Yoast plugin in WordPress yeah. says. I'm not I'm not arguing with you, Janet. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> Just sort of exploring this. <laughs> um, the Yoast, the Yoast SEO. Yes, you, oh dear me, the Yoast SEO plugin. Yeah, so those reader, two words reader, are too close to the name yeah, of my. I own use company. that that plugin. Kraken plugin, r- mm. really good. And in that, one of the assessments they make is for the Fleisch reading index, how yeah. readable text is. And it's not that Google is doing the same thing. I think it's Yoast being quite clever and saying your article has to be easy to read now the way google will probably be judging that is just how long people are spending on the page how far yeah. down they're scrolling and and so on and so forth so yeah they you kind of do have to be a good writer but it all depends how good the other writers in your niche are and if the other writers in your niche are terrible and you're only you're only slightly better you'll still rank yeah, I, you and I are both, I think, both come from the, the same place of writing should be excellent. It should be brilliant. But I think the reality is people can be only just better than terrible. Yeah. The problem comes when your competitors realize what you're doing and they up the game. Yeah. So then you have to write a little better. So they, they write a little better. So why not just start off by being the absolute best there is? I it agree. It gives you a far larger margin before people catch yeah, up with you.
1: I agree. But in my experience, um, recently, it's it's oh, can I gotta put this delicately. There's no way of putting it delicately. Some of the companies I've worked for have been, it just needs to be good enough. And for me, that's not Ooh. acceptable.
0: It's not satisfying as an, no. as a creative.
1: It's not, either. I don't want to be acceptable. I want to be the best it's possible to be, and if I can't do that, that's my creativity stifled. Yeah, and and sense of pride. You know, when I when I turn in work, if I'm not proud of it, I don't want to turn it in.
0: So we, we say, so we've a uh, dear listener. Sorry, I haven't addressed the a listener for <laughs> the listener. <laughs> sorry, said, we're
1: getting carried away. Uh,
0: I, I know from from private conversations that you know, something happened that that made you readdress whether you wanted uh, an actual job or whether you wanted to be be freelance. And I can see now that you've explained that a bit further, that, yeah, if you're freelance, you can turn down the jobs you don't want, unless you, like, really need to buy food desperately. <laughs> I, d-
1: <laughs> I do, but I still won't compromise. You know, I've had a pretty rough experience this year. Um And it's really showed me what's important and for me it's about i know i do a good job and i know i can do the best job um but if i'm not valued and appreciated it becomes really challenging for me and maybe you know maybe i'm looking for validation but to me it's like if you were a decorator and you were going in to decorate someone's house and you went away knowing you hadn't done your best job. You wouldn't feel good. and I, I, I you know I, I just think good writers are especially with the blooming chat GBT and all the AI writers that are springing up on the internet. I mean, there's one. Um, can I name them?
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't have any at, con- content
1: at scale. I had a look at their website. They've changed it a little bit since I last looked, but they were clearly targeting agencies almost to the point where they were saying, "Don't waste money on writers. We can do this for you for two hundred and fifty dollars a month." And you know, two hundred and fifty dollars might be what someone pays a writer to do an article. So, and they—they they, I don't know whether they have complaints or something's changed, but they're not saying that anymore
0: it's because we all know that google largely ignores ai generated content
1: but will it will it forever because these ai writers are going to get better and better
0: oh they can get as good as they want google's got more money than them though <laughs> so who's going to be better at detecting it
1: yeah good point
0: but go, going back to you, I, I like i like pulling at the thread of creativity when i speak to anyone in this podcast or other podcasts i do and i i have friends in the industry who have left Good agency jobs, because they felt their creativity and their integrity was compromised by yeah. an edict that came from higher up. I mean, God, probably half the people I know who are now freelance—that's so it's sad because of that. It's sad, but what what then happens is they get the opportunity to be as excellent as they want, mm. and that might not be commercially immediately rewarding. But ultimately, we live in a we live in a fairly privileged society, and. This is why you and I have the opportunity to talk about creative integrity and things because we we have the, the luxury of living in a society where we can. Yeah. So, I think that that becomes incredibly important. So, you're,
1: I, th- I think we are we, we are all creative beings. Um, some people think they're not creative. I, I think it was you I spoke to about the artist's way by Julie Julia Cameron. Was it you I was talking to? Yeah,
0: you you did mention it when when we last spoke um, outside of podcast land.
1: It's a brilliant book. It's designed for anybody creative, writer, photographer, painter, anybody that does anything creative. And it really teaches you how to access that creativity. And it was only recently I realized that my, my creativity had been stifled and it was why I felt dead inside. Um, and subsequently, I've been working on bringing that back out, just free-flowing my writing. I took a bit of time off, didn't want to write a single word for a couple of months. I just hated writing all of a sudden. I'm like, what's going on? I've loved writing my entire life. But I've been doing a few sort of um, articles on Medium and LinkedIn and things like that, and and finding that voice Of writing for no specific reason other than as an outlet for the creativity and it's opening me back up again Um, and it's really lovely it feels like part of me coming back home
0: I I think it's crucial and I don't write as much as I used to because now you know I sort of manage the process rather than actually writing myself but I've started I've recently rediscovered the joy of learning how to write new types of things. So mm. I'm going to show you something on the camera. So sorry, podcast people. I've been learning how to make joke webs. You know about joke webs? Oh,
1: wow. what's that?
0: A joke web. I'm reading a book, um, which I'll link to in the show notes, because I can't remember what it's called. And it's it's written by a lady who was one of the joke writers for people, uh, for shows like, Have I Got News for You? Yeah. And the whole the whole point of the book is, you can write jokes even if you don't think something's funny and it's a topic that you know nothing about so her job for a long time was quick in the next 24 hours we need 10 jokes on things that have happened in the news today so she developed a, a method that she calls joke webs uh, of a bit like mind maps but kind of going in a in a, in a sort of different with a different end point and i i'm not a comedian <laughs> i am giving a, I mean, actually I say that I'm in a Toastmasters competition tonight, giving a humorous speech, but <laughs> I, it's not my, my reason, it's not my, my used, it's not my my thing, but what I've learned is that learning about a new style of writing is incredibly exciting. I wrote a romance novel, I've written two. Really? And
1: oh, wow. yeah.
0: And part of the reason for doing that was to write something that was so far away from the things I write about at work and yeah. the style that was so far away and I get a real kick out of it. So yeah, feed the beast. You have to
1: feed that creativity. Yeah. I think you I, I think get stuck because in, in, in cryptocurrencies, there's a certain tone of voice. The average age, age in the crypto industry is something like 25
0: to 34. <laughs> wow. And I'm
1: not 30, 25 to 34. <laughs> it's
0: just a memory for me. <laughs> yeah.
1: But I've I, I, I realised that actually, although I did the job and I could do the job well, it wasn't truly my voice. My voice is much more fr- free and open, and I trying to get that voice back out, having written in one industry for so long, is tr- more trickier than I imagined. I mean, I'm just writing a, an article today about um, the mistakes that people make when they bring a rescue dog home. And that's great because, one, I love dogs. Two, I see it's little
0: a... tails moving around behind you while we've been speaking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got one dog sitting on the chair behind me. I don't know where the other one is. Probably causing mayhem somewhere. Um, but, yeah, just having the access to that voice. So I can totally relate to what you were saying about writing in a different voice and I think I want to explore that because that sounds really interesting.
0: I think it's something that's almost unique to us as writers. I was, the the podcast episode that will come out probably before this one I interviewed a, an old friend of mine called James Kindred and he he left the world of agencies because he said that he got to the stage where he he's a he's a, a more graphical designer and he's a developer that he, he struggled with having to speak in a tone that wasn't his own mm. because that's what you have to do. You you, you kind of largely toe the agency line from what I've heard. I've never worked in an agency. And what he does now, everything's about the authenticity of, of his tone and his message, which is brilliant. And as a writer, yes, that's at the heart of everything we do, but it's kind of part of the job is assuming another tone. <laughs> it's just
1: Yeah. Well, you're it, writing for other people. You have to. You, just, you don't have a choice, really.
0: That's why it's fun to write write more for yourself. I I've started writing music reviews for for someone recently. It's something I used to do. God, I used to get two hundred CDs a week pour through my front door years ago, and it drove me batty. <laughs> but I've started started writing music reviews again, and I, I I set aside half an hour to listen to the music and review it. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, awesome. I sent sent it off to the editor and sort of looked at the clock. I went, "Was that really only you know? Was that as long as half an hour?" Because it felt really quick and I think oh that that sort of time warping is a sign that you've you've enjoyed a project yeah
1: before. yeah being in the flow
0: that's it the flow state well Jan we are out of time unfortunately but oh, I've thoroughly that enjoyed means this conversation
1: passed. That was so much there you fun. go
0: the, the flow state of conversation <laughs> yeah. so um, I'll put I'll put links I'll put links in the show notes to your, to your LinkedIn okay. um, is there any any sort of conclusion message or any sort of defining thing that you'd like to leave the listeners with?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think I, the conversation we had the other day was the misconception that SEO is complicated. When actually all you need is a, to be able to write or to hire a writer who can write SEO writing for you. The There's also a misconception that SEO writing is starchy. And yeah, if you don't, if you're not a good writer, it will be. But SEO writing doesn't have, to. it can be conversational. It should be conversational because that's what's going to get it read.
0: Fantastic. Thanks very much, Jan. I'm going to say goodbye. Would you like to say goodbye?
1: Goodbye. It's, what is it, Ronnie, Ronnie, two Ronnie's used to say, it's goodbye from him and it's, no, it's goodbye from <laughs> goodbye him. Goodbye from. What was it? <laughs>
0: It's, it's goodbye from him and it's goodbye from me, yeah. I think. Was well, we it. we could
1: sing Bring Me Sunshine because Eric and Ernie were two of my favourites. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lovely. Thank, thanks for your time, Jan.
1: Thank you.